Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. Jay Truitt's in his normal saddle. Oh, no, that looked like the same saddle he was in last week. Yep. I'm still same place. I haven't been able to get to where I wanted to go or where I'm headed. It's just spinning out. No, it's my temp office. So <laughs> he's spinning out. Davy Buckley joining us from the UK. He's spinning in. <laughs> yeah, how are you, how are you David? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you very much. Yeah, we've got um finally got some better weather, so it's all good for us out on the farms or traveling around uh, the agricultural industry here. It's, it's quite nice driving now. Jay, I I just can't get over the fact that we are, you know, trying to finish up a planting season. Damien and Andrew and the farmers in the UK are harvesting forages already. I, I don't oh, yeah. Right. And I, I mean, sure. that was one of the things that amazed me when I, uh, I went to school at one of those places in East Anglia, right? And, uh, yes. uh, so I live just a few miles away from the campus and I used to watch, I used to watch, I couldn't, I never could figure out the pace of everything that was going on around there. It seemed like they were getting about three crops a year. Every time I turned around, somebody had a harvester <laughs> in the field that you can, we can be, we might be critical about a lot of things they do in England, but they don't waste an acre. They don't waste a meter, let alone a, an acre of ground. And they, when they produce something, they produce something. I mean, they, they know how to, everything <laughs> they do, they do pretty intensively. So uh, they're kind of an impressive bunch, but that we'll only say that when Damien's on the, when Andrew's on, we're going to make fun of every, literally everything that they do. So yeah, you, you, can, to, you, you can still make fun. You can still nah. make fun of everything. That's just not a problem, mate. Go. Sorry. No, just for the record, we've sent Andrew off to Italy to do some corresponding mm-hmm. from there for the rest of the week. So Damien, <laughs> yeah. actually we find excuses to send Andrew off so that we yeah. can have Damien <laughs> on the program is what we do. Right. That's what I was, that's what I was going to say. So we, should we send a warning? I have family that are in Italy. Should I send them like a warning note? Oh yeah. That oh, Andrew yeah. is in country beware. Absolutely. Like a rolling dervish. He arrives. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's too um, funny. Yeah. He gave me he gave me about an hour. He said this morning would I would I step in and deputise? And I was like, okay, what's on the agenda? What's being discussed today? So he said, oh, you'll just wing it. Just go, you go with it. They'll yeah. they'll walk you through. And he said, uh, perhaps talk about the Durham report or anything like that. And I was like, well, okay, we'll see where we we get to with it. Well, yeah, I knew. I, certainly, I, we did just talk. I about read the, the Durham, Durham report. report. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, you read a three hundred page report. Yeah, I read the stupid thing. Why? Why? No, see, that's, well, no, here is the only reason why I read it was because I knew that Andrew would be all (laughs) over it, like white on rice, right? He'd be like a duck chasing a bug across the edge of the pond, right? (laughs) And in the entire report, I learned absolutely nothing. There wasn't a single fact that I hadn't already heard, right? That it hadn't already been on the news and hadn't already been reported. That was number one. Number two, 
I was just, I was, and I got up extra early this morning, literally, so that I could prepare to disappoint Andrew over the fact that they're not going to do anything about it. And he was going to get all mad and pissed off and yell and talk about how America has failed the world and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I've already, I've I've already had that conversation with him because as soon as I saw him this morning, I saw him about eight o'clock and we met together and to do some work. And he said, he said, have you seen what's dropped? Have you seen what's come out? It's come out. And I said, uh, yeah, three years and two days, and I bet there's nothing in it of any importance. And I shouldn't think it'll bring anybody to accountability or, or give anybody the responsibility for you know for anything. I can see this might just follow the way of all others. Uh, yeah, I have very little faith in any any inquiries anywhere in the world at the moment. To be perfectly frank, but anyway. yeah, any argued with you. Yeah, of course he did. His arguments. <laughs> he, he said it, this will this will set uh, set the scene. This will this will it'll all start to unfold now. It'll be like a house of cards. And I said, well, I don't know how it will become that because it seems no. to me that over forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred years, a century or more, every time um, there's vested interests, uh, they're able to suppress things, and you know it all falls by the wayside. There might be some culpability one. Or two people might be pulled up, might be found to have fallen short, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean that's I think how it always I, seems I, to me. Honestly, I think Damien is spot on, and I I would only add this icing to that little I think perfectly spoken cupcake right there. And the icing is this: the Durham report has has one value, and that is is as campaign fodder. Um, in the U.S. election in 2024, right? And the and this, I mean the the really sad part about it is is we're gonna use that campaign fodder against the guy that literally, I mean physically, is the probably the weakest human that has ever stood at the podium running for president in the United States. He's an he's a senior, feeble guy right now. Well, that's obvious. We can all mm-hmm. see that. And and he's really should be considered maybe the weakest candidate that has ever run for president and 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 we're going to use uh, uh we're going to try to use an atom bomb against him and and usually that backfires honestly it, it it ends up working in reverse because people feel like you're picking on somebody too much right um I'll let you hit my best friend but don't hit his wife Kind of thing, right? And uh, I, I, I'm going to step in if you punch his wife in the nose, right? Um, he can take care of himself. But if you take on somebody that I think is, you know, shouldn't have been abused, then, um, mm-hmm. I, again, I, I kind of fear that, honestly, that the whole thing backfires and it becomes uh, uh, like one of those deals where they feel like the, the way that if you look at the way – uh, Politico and the left-wing media inside the D.C. inner circle are spinning this thing this morning. There's, They have a half a dozen stories already out about how Trump is a flip-flopper and Trump changed politics for good and not in a good way in America and how the Durham report was a nothing burger and, and blah, blah, blah. And so they've, al- they've already started creating that scenario that I just described. And I, I, 
I, I wrote that to a friend of mine last night, so I can prove that I actually was on the record with that as my mindset of what they would do. And sure enough, by by 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in America, uh, the press was already turning the story. So, so uh, Jay, I'm just going to say I'm just going to say one thing about it, and then leave it go. And that is that I've been telling Andrew, and y'all can verify this for a year and a half that the press would do everything possible to put Trump in a positive light, whether that be through sympathy or whether that be through whatever. So to create this mantra that Trump's been beat up and we've got to have him back as president and everybody's going to agree. The whole CNN thing was all a staged incident in that regard. And then just as the primary season is starting to pick up for 2024, we get verification that Hunter Biden is a criminal and Joe Biden got uh, dollars illegally. We get the Durham report out. We get Trump convicted of a sexual assault. We get Trump indicted for campaign fraud. I'm not stupid, guys. I, I this see is predictable this playing now. Yeah. out. Yeah. And Joe so Biden. The the, go, go ahead, Damien. I'm sorry. So if that's the case, what is the end game? The end game is the continued um, uh, political force that the Democrats think they are, is it? And that the machine, the machine yeah. rumbles. Yeah, only the, the Democrat force that is being portrayed is a re- guy who calls himself currently the most conservative president we've ever had and that be donald j trump who is a flip-flopper who is not what he appears to be and has been setting us up since 2016 that's my my projection of the end game well well if that's that if that's the case then then we're the, literally the free world's done for oops no i don't buy that out. at all i don't buy that at all damien because our free world is not dependent upon who sits in the White House. Our free world is dependent upon people grabbing the reins and saying, we the people are going to take this country back. The salvation of the state is in the watchfulness of its citizens. That is where we'll yeah. pick it up when we come back with more Roll Route. Damien Buckley, Jatro Trettlers, more after this. You know, we often use the term upcycle the protein. Do we actually know what that means? We take less, lesser quality, particularly from a protein standpoint, because forages and forbs and things that cows eat do not have a high level of protein. They don't eat a lot of alfalfa. That's a high level protein. And then it upcycles it into a very nutrient dense protein enriched ingredient called beef. Tender beef is harder to come by. Uh, It's not impossible, but the Piedmontese is a guarantee because the Piedmontese possesses naturally the genes that make beef tender. Details about this and your order at CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, Damian Buckley joining us. Following suit with Andrew. We don't have Andrew, but we have Damian in a car. So that's the main thing. Jay, yeah, yeah, we do. Jay Truitt in exile, hiding in from, exile. It, the bunker. I mean, seriously, look, I got the see my cool halogen lights and stuff yeah, that I got yeah. going on. I, I just, am. Uh, I, I just yeah, gotta say, in, Jay, you've been in un, you've been in a, a quanky location since you knew Title Forty Two was expiring. I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> only thing I am gonna say is that. Uh, Title 42 happened, right? And people like me need to prepare for such events. So I'm hiding from the onslaught of migrants that I'm pretty sure are going to walk right through here. 
Have you seen the and map? There's a map. It's crazy. And Rebecca sent it to me yesterday that you can actually every cell phone given to an illegal, you can you can look at a map of where they're currently at. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, not in Nebraska. <laughs> I was a, there <laughs> yeah. was like there's one spot right yeah. in the middle that no, that is was. true. I was like right. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's they left that to you and Kelly. <laughs> Now you're still looking for a farmhand, right? Now that your daughter is off and uh, on her yeah. way to college, yeah, and we, a farmhand. Now lost, you can't find one. Our last slave laborer is moving out, Damien. So we're trying yep. to figure out. We're, we're oh. probably just going to do like every other parent: get rid of livestock. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, we sold the milk cows coincidentally yep. right after the kids went to college. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that, that, isn't that the way? That's always the way. In fact, every time there's a generational change or a change in in uh, in people's life, you know, these significant events as the next generation does go to college, it really does, from a farming perspective, then call into question the whole business. I've seen yeah. that many, many, many times. And um, I, I think there's even worse uh, things at store here in, in the UK. They brought out about five or six weeks ago, oh no, maybe three, four months ago, they started to really roll out the replacement to the uh, area payment or the basic payment scheme. And I think Andrew's probably talked about this uh, in minutiae, but um, there's there's a number of schemes. I can't remember. There's like, let's call it 170 opportunities to apply for various grants. And in that entire booklet, which is probably six inches thick, there isn't a single reference to food production. It's all about the environment. So wow. I've been I've been watching an arable farmer who has a YouTube channel, and he's very entertaining, but he's also incredibly informative. He's got a real passion for for what he does. He's very into it. He's very onto it. And uh, every month he pulls up another video to uh, YouTube. Uh, um, excerpt that he's done as he's walked his crops and he's talked about the economics he's talked about the risk he's talked about the weather he's talked about where he thinks the markets will go what was very alarming was that in the last the last video which is probably three weeks old he's called harry's farm is is the name of the youtube channel he was walking over his orsi rape which had been eaten by the uh, the flea beetle and was decimated because you can't use the seed treatments anymore um, here. And and then he went on to his wheat crop and he said, with the price of wheat forecast and the fact that his oilseed rape had failed and what was he too likely to do instead? He said, I think I'm just going to have to accept that I apply for one of these schemes for two years and knock, uh, just do a herbage lay, which I can mow once a year or twice a year, and I'll just take the payment off the government. So he's not even going to produce food now. Right. And that's multiplying up right across this country where people are talking about de-risking their business by taking the money on offer. Damien, are you, I, from, are you familiar with the United States Department of Agriculture's CRP program, Conservation Reserve Program? No, I'm not, no. It, it is what you just described. It started... Uh, what Jay was it seventy seven or sometime yeah in somewhere around in there nineteen eighty five it got it got big wind in its sails though and it's, it's supposed intent was to take highly erodible marginal land yeah and and put it into a, a fallow program and get paid per acre 
so that we did not have these marginal areas that continue to erode and whatever the case may be. Well, right now, the USDA has just come out with a new plan called Clear 30, and you can sign up for 30 years, 30 years to get a payment per acre. And they're offering a, a surplus or a, a premium right now. If you'll sign up for, mm-hmm. and plant and agree to not plant a food crop for 30 years and just let it set fallow. Yeah. Well, well, this is this is absolutely astonishing, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how we're going to feed everybody if this is the case, where you've got sensible farmers making good quality decisions for themselves and their families, their businesses, by taking the money, taking what's on offer. And to hell with food production. We, we're really going to start to, it's, it's going to create a scarcity if we're not careful. Mm, you know that's the plan, right? Yeah, yeah, I do know it's the plan. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, that's the plan. So you, you brought you brought up something that Jay's probably going to have a hand, better handle on than me, certainly, and and probably Damien. Mm. Uh, clearly, you know, we last year Jay talked about the U.S. wheat crop is not going to happen, and then we turned out having more wheat than we thought. But right, right now, I'm hearing horror stories from not just the United States, but and Damien referenced it around the world. There could be a serious global wheat shortage in 2023. Yeah. Are you seeing that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I looked at a, uh, a report. I think somebody you know, Dave Juday, oh, yeah. um, uh, puts out a report to his clients, um, every week. And it's actually a really good report. Um, it's one of those things that I actually kind of read kind of carefully. And, uh, he saved it for the last slide in his little, uh, it's usually mm-hmm. like a 15 to 20 page kind of presentation, right? His last slide was the, the possible gap that we might have in wheat. Um, and it's enormous, right? I mean, we're not, ta- we're talking about like a 20 to 30% gap. Uh, at the at the end in our production and we're one of and, and so the US is really not the the world leader in mm-hmm. actual milling wheat right that's not per se what we really do but what we are are the people that are the buffer that makes everybody else's product go straight into milling and mm-hmm. so um when you when you take when you take out our surpluses then that that we usually kind of pad the market with the world market with and uh you look at the fact that the ukraine's obviously not going to have the crop mm-hmm. they did and they are a heavy exporting country mm-hmm. and of the specific varieties of wheat that the middle east uses uh, for milling yes. and you do what damian just talked about in in a handful of places in uh in in uh in in their country uh you know what france better have a hell of a crop that's all you can say and um they better they better suck it up because australia is not going to this year it doesn't look like their their stockpiles are going to be much different than what we thought and so there's nobody making up there's nobody making up the deal i i don't panic about food generically but there are some specific things that that we really could be uh, short of. Wheat is definitely one of them. And wheat can be a driver, right? We saw that happen a couple of years ago. We saw wheat driving coarse grains across the board through the roof for a while. And I, I suppose, um, I, am I right in thinking that um, 
if there is a shortage, I mean, a significant shortage and uh, a gap in supply for milling wheats, that they'll pull some of the very best feed wheats up into that. They they sort of broaden out the category a bit to allow some to come diversion of that. Well, that's that's only going to then then have a detrimental impact on the pork and the poultry businesses in this country as well. You know, I can see you could right. the knock on effects are profound mostly. Damien, we have 45 seconds in this first half of the program. How much wheat is fed to livestock in the UK? Uh, I can't remember. I can have a quick look if you want me to. I can't Uh, remember uh, now. But it's significant. It must be significant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I did, yeah. You know, I usually carry the figures in my head, and I've just it's all gone blank. So no, well, I I can't remember. But it is significant. I'm going to look it up, Jay, during the break because I don't think okay. our our wheat, in terms of um, where it's goes into livestock, is is significant at all. I think we're pretty much making flour with it. But I will take a look at that during the break, and we'll be back with the second half of Roll Route with Damian Buckley from the UK and Jay Truitt from. He could be in the UK and the United States, University, <laughs> University of Kentucky. We'll see. We'll be back with more after this. Well, I happen to be in North Dakota today, which means I plan to get out and see what's going on in the real world of coal-fired power plants. Lignite Energy does a phenomenal job educating people about the importance of lignite as a reliable, environmentally sustainable capture of energy. But part of that is the carbon capture And I'm not opposed to carbon capture. What I'm opposed to is putting it in a pipeline and entombing it. So I plan to get out to one of these coal plants today in North Dakota, get the real story, and present to you what is happening in the world of this commodity called CO2. It's been demonized. It's been called everything other than what it really is. Lignite Energy captures energy and produces concrete. CO2 enhances life in every way. Life powered by coal. Welcome back, Roll Route, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truitt coming to us from somewhere in Kentucky. <laughs> Damian Buckley somewhere in Lincolnshire. Cheshire. Cheshire. <laughs> Today. I, Cheshire. I, went, I went out of my way on uh, across the pond with two Brits. I had Mark Adkins on today, Damian, and Andrew Henderson. Oh, yes. And I, I continued to say Yorkshire. And Lincolnshire, just to make Andrew nuts. <laughs> Cheshire. I'm kind of dis- disappointed, though, because it's usually at this point, right, during the break that Andrew uh, gets out of the vehicle and goes and gets, like, a sandwich or something. And then know, comes yeah. back. <laughs> and you just – and you go, like, what the heck happened to him? You, you can't eat any other time of the day except for this hour? He must be the yeah. busiest man in Britain. He doesn't right? know. He doesn't know what busy is. Trust me. Oh, some somewhere <laughs> out there is a, an efficiency expert, and they are like writing a book about Andrew because he he took yeah. the thirty second break to run <laughs> grab a sandwich, eat it, and then wipe his mouth just as the show starts. He's back on. He's all fired up yeah. again, recharged. All right, so Damien will stop picking on Andrew for a moment. <laughs> Hard. This is the twenty twenty nine numbers. Hard red winter wheat, 749 million bushels, primarily in the Great Plains of America, uses used for bread and flour. 
hard red spring wheat, 279 million acres. The northern plains for bread flour and blending, soft red winter wheat, 361 million acres. Eastern states, cake, cookies, and crackers. I can go down this list, six more different items, including Durham, which is 37 million acres in North Dakota, Montana, Arizona, California, used for pasta. Mm-hmm. We, we for the lion's share, unless there's a problem with wheat, I mean, if it's something that can't go into human grade, it goes to livestock feed, but we just, it's not part yeah. of our normal diet for animals. So, um, are you self-sufficient? You're self-sufficient though. You're an exporter, aren't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we export absolutely. a little, uh, we export wheat. I, here's, here is, uh, so I'm actually looking at the report that came out and it was from, uh, Tanner Emke actually put together the, the numbers, right? So somebody that's one of the, uh, our inside economist at CoBank, right? That put, the, put together their forecast and their, their abandonment rate, which is mm-hmm. the, the, the concern in the United States is that we've been so dry in Kansas, Nebraska and parts of Oklahoma, uh, and, and part of that Colorado belt that grows, grows a bunch of the hard red winter wheat is that a bunch of acres are just going to be abandoned. Now, there's mm-hmm. been some rain this last, like in the last seven to ten days, right? There has been some rain that's come through those areas. I don't know. It seems like maybe a little bit too little too late in some cases, but uh, well, we'll particularly see. Particularly in the right? wheat belt, particularly in the wheat belt of Kansas right. and southern Oklahoma. Right. And and those numbers, there he, he can't really get a handle on – what he thinks is going to be the complete abandonment rate. It's somewhere between eight and 20% wow. of the total acres are just going to be dissed under, right? Or used for some other purpose. Most likely, if there's anything there at all, they would, uh, you know, they might try to use them for forage or something, but that's not, that's not going to offset anything. And again, I, a lesson that Greg Dowd, who, uh, Trent, Trent talks to all the time, I know as well. Um, Greg Dowd always it preaches to me on a regular basis of how, you know, the world's supply systems actually balance themselves out one way or another, whether we like it or not. We always come to a, a, a balance of price versus actual demand, you know, uh, or, or supplies. And he's right. And, and the truth is we, we don't really have extra acres anywhere in the world right now that can make up a difference. And you certainly can't make up a difference in a wheat crop. And right. we are the, the, when you take away one little, one little link and then you do some of the things like what you're talking about uh, are going on with people who are making a different economic decision yeah. in, in Britain. Um, now all of a sudden I kind of do get worried about just generic food supply, uh, disruptions. I, I'm not, well, it, it won't be a shortage for me, but you know, for that poor guy in Ethiopia or Sudan or, yes. uh, in Amman or someplace like that, right? Where they're at the end of the chain and they, they may not have the first divvy for the first dollar. Yeah. That becomes a hell of a, hell of a risk and people starve. You know, in those countries, they don't. In America, we're so fat we could go almost the whole year without eating, and we'd probably still be around. But that's not going to happen in Ethiopia. You, you know, they don't even their butter's not even fat, right? I mean, they they just got yeah. no room to spare. You're 
you're more optimistic about New York than I am because I think <laughs> New York's in trouble. I think they're with Ethiopia. They're not going to have access to every time I for, through the years, Jay and Damien, I'd go to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I'd work with the Pennsylvania Beef Council, and they would remind me that within 300 mile radius of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, is one third of the U.S. population. They can't grow enough yeah. food to feed that population in that part of the world because there's too many people. Yeah, correct. And if any disruption happens in the transportation system, which I see unfolding in front of us from the rail and trucking standpoint, they're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, is, any, it, is anybody yeah. actually work? I mean, we're talking. We're talking like we've just forecast. You know, problems down the line here. Is are there? Are, is government talking about it? Is the is the agricultural department talking about it? Are Cargill's talking about it? Who's 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 onto this? Yeah, they are talking about Damien. They're encouraging people to sign up to produce less because that's the the government is the one that comes <laughs> oh, yeah, up with this clear right thirty program to take food production land out of production. So the re, the the, the um, real honest to goodness debate. The real honest-to-goodness debate started on the U.S. farm policy this last week, right? And we had a uh, – they they kind of let us know how they're going to do the process this year, which is instead of passing one giant bill, they're going to pass a whole bunch of little small components, roll them all up into one, and then pass one big package at the end, right? And that's been done before. That's right. not an unusual process. And mm-hmm. it, it is a way to keep it really organized, and I kind of give the – chairman of the ag committee in the house you know kind of a pat on the back for for doing it this way here but here i sat and listened to all those hearings right that's kind of why i end up moving around the country Mm -hmm. part of the time and i'm listening to the hearings and i'm kind of just amazed because there's no discussion over all these minor issues there was no discussion over research there was no discussion over the trade components there was no discussion over any of these little subsets of of our overall farm policy. Now, we didn't get to the big stuff yet, right, which is how much subsidies are we going to pay farmers and how much money are we going to put in the the supplemental food programs, which that's 80% of the, the total cost anyway 1.5 of, the, of the package. Yeah, but I, I, I started actually going backwards, Trent, though, and even doing the math on those numbers, right, uh, because we I was the one that last week kind of panicked about the fact that we're doing like a tri- almost a $1.5 trillion uh, farm bill. How can we possibly do that? We're really not, though. We're really not doing a $1.5 trillion farm bill. And actual farm subsidies and the stuff that is focused on production or incentivizing production, we still have like a $16 billion farm bill mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, annually. And so it's going to be about $160 billion totals, maybe somewhere in that number. Um, and that was envelope math, right? So don't anybody take that and run with it as an absolute. But out of the 140 something billion dollars per year that USDA will have allocated to it, about 85 to 90 billion of that will go into food programs. Uh, for schools and, and, and underserved people. And, and then the rest of it goes to Trent's programs, the Forest Service, um, so that we can mismanage forest more. And then, um, 
the scraps that are left over at the end of the day are going to actually deal with the actual food security concerns. And while they have, haven't even really had that conversation, the, the point is they didn't have that conversation this week, right? It didn't happen or last week. It just didn't even come up. No one even talked about it. There were no questions from the committee. Um, we just kind of shrugged our shoulders and went on. Uh, so, that, so, 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 I, I, what, what filled the void then in in the conversation? What did they talk about instead? How we they can just, be more green? How we can put more acres into carbon sequestration and not production? It so was the a, same it was as a little Holland. love fest. Yeah, so it's the same as Holland. It's the same as here. Yeah, it it's is the same as Germany. So, uh, Damien, Tom Vilasak, who is the current Secretary of Agriculture and, for the record, was Secretary of Agriculture for eight years under Obama, his big stump speech right now is that in 2022, 89% of the U.S. farmers failed to make a livable wage, despite yeah. the record farm receipts of $162 billion in revenue, and yet the farmer, 89% of the farmers could not sustain a livable wage. And so his answer right after that is, so we need to find ways to implement more programs to pay them not to farm. Yeah. I, I, who's running them? Who's running the asylum now? We, if you knew the answer this to that matters. question, you could be pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It's one of the inmates though, right? <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're way, we're way past we're way past that, right? And again, I, I, not to circle back, but it's the reason that, uh, the, like this just inability to, uh, really observe and see what's going on is the reason that I took the Durham report with such a slight, you know, um, if literally, if you don't think that people aren't going to be hungry in the world in the next 24 months, I'm not for sure that you're really paying attention. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. Plenty of people not paying attention. I'm paying attention to the clock, which means we've only got one segment left. And we will do that with Jay Truitt, Damian Buckley, after this. I hope you caught Loose Tales earlier today. If you didn't, you need to find it. Quite troubling thought process, actually, of a Vietnam veteran. Yesterday in McPherson County, South Dakota, he came up to him and he said, I fought in six wars on foreign soil, 33 years. I served this country in the United States military. And what did I fight for? You fought for the opportunity for us to continue to have a chance at freedom and our kids. You did your part, and I'm saying you to all veterans of this nation. The Wall of Honor brings that front and center like nobody else. The Wall of Honor.org for full details about how we say thank you to those individuals that have carved out that place of freedom that we follow up on. The Wall of Honor.org for full details. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose, Amy Buckley, Jay Truett, into the final segment. And, uh, you know, 18 years Hank Vogler's been on every Monday, Jay. Mm -hmm. And he amazes me in that he recycles a lot of his one-liners, but every week he comes up with some new one. Right. And yesterday's one-liner just ties in perfectly to what we're talking about. The th This is Hank Vogler yesterday. May 15th 
on rural route. The thing about cancer and government that they have in common is that they grow until they kill their host. Uh, yeah. It, it pertains to what we're talking wow. about today. Wow, right? Yeah. What a powerful statement, though, right? And yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. We we are in that place, right? And I I mean earlier, Trent, you know, you made the comment that we the people would rise, and I, uh, you know, that's the prayer that I say for my grandchildren. That's not really a discussion about me at this point. You know, I'm 60 right. years old, so at worst, I'm I'm probably at least half my life right is behind me. Um, but I have grandchildren that are uh, Jay, from six. You're over half done. Hey, 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 you don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do. With yeah, I do. You're over half mir- Miracles in modern science, and if I can increase my income, as Ricky Bobby would say. There's, there's something better waiting for you. Why do you want to hang around here? <laughs> yeah, for no, that's true, years? too, right? I'm kind of banking on I'm banking on the cum, right? Um, no, but, I mean, you know, I've got a six-month-old as the youngest grandchild I have, and I, I truly am a little bit fearful for the the environment they're they're in and i will say honestly there is a little tiny piece of me that is uh that is almost excited for them because i think that at some point we get to reshape all this again i don't know what it looks like the next time but i don't uh, i'm not one of those people that believe that america's going to stand forever anymore i'm just not and that doesn't that doesn't make me a pessimist i think that makes me a realist uh, I also don't think that uh, um, the UK um, or the British Empire, uh, however you want to uh, refer to, you know, that specter in the world, which has been one of the other anchors in the world for mm-hmm. about four times as long as the United States has. I don't think it exists either. And I think mm-hmm. it begins to self-destruct itself. And um that means that somewhere in there, the French will think they're in charge for about a week, right? right. And then they'll run. And so what happens? I'm, t- I'm telling mean, you, the whole focus is on Africa, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, well, but- we, know who's paid for, we know who's paid for all the infrastructure, who pays governments, who pays for uh, development in those nations. And it's that Belt and Road Initiative via the Chinese, isn't it? I mean, they are literally all the way my, – my experiences of New Zealand – uh, or certainly the Pacific Islands are that I've traveled extensively through the Pacific Islands. And uh, you'll see the Chinese infrastructure projects everywhere from water mains to parliament buildings to new hospitals to new roading systems. You go into Africa and they've built new rail systems that, you know, they, they've, they've been working this pretty hard out. I mean, they've got their own plan, haven't they? With defaults on defaults oh, on. Uh, oh, on OK, loans. Oh, well. But Damien, though, in the midst of that, right, I, I agree completely, right? But in the same way that England built America by its in, by the fact that they bought and invested in America and created America, you can't really deny that. Mm-hmm. That really is something that happened in the United States. Our railroads were built by British doll, uh, pounds. Um, most of our infrastructure was financed by it early on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? The United States and the rest of the Western world are financing China to do that development. Yeah. What happens when we stop okay. pouring money that direction, and what is the recoil, right? Because at some point, we just stop because we won't 
have the economic capacity to do that anymore. So what is that like? Well, I, I thought I, I can see your point and I, I understand. Um, I've got two, two observations. One is about the Belt and Road Initiative. I understand that uh, those collateralized loans mean that the Chinese have been able to support, have been able to basically help themselves to various resources. I don't know how true it is. It's what I read. You know, I don't know whether I, mm-hmm. I trust what I read at times. But if the Chinese have got access to the resources, they're going to have to surrender or sell those resources back to the rest of us then at some point. But they seem to have locked them up. I mean, that's what's happened in Afghanistan, isn't it? They've locked up the Mm -hmm. resources since the Americans pulled out. But separately, I do ask this question, and I challenge you here. The Dutch East Indies Company and then their uh, East Indies Company of UK were both so massive in their own reigns that they were able to negotiate on terms with governments. Governments were almost subservient to those causes. Fortunately, I think they all they they imploded those those um, those business entities eventually fell over, probably through greed. But for a hundred years, they ruled the waves and they owned all the resource and they policed it themselves and paid something towards government, something towards country, crown and country. Oh, haven't we? Aren't we already at that space in that place now? Yeah, with maybe. 10, 12, 20 companies owning most of the world now? Or what we do? I mean, I'm not arguing that. That's a, yeah, that's an interesting. uh, So I I took a look yesterday. I I took a a look yesterday and thought, right, well, this is a very, this, this seemed to have built such power. How far does the power extend? Where are the tentacles of power? How far down does it extend through through dis, di, uh, uh, different entities? And what I saw, which was astonishing, was I just picked up one thing from the newspaper here online. And it said that the gas supply infrastructure here is currently 60% owned by Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Investments out of Australia. Yeah, you've heard of Macquarie. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, Oh, yeah. Well, they want to take over 100 percent of the gas supply transmission system. It's a massive system. It's 20, 30,000 miles of pipe work for a start. So I take a look. Who owns Macquarie? Well, I tell you who has significant shares. Blackstone, Vanguard and State. And State's obviously owned by Vanguard or BlackRock together. You know, like 10, 12 percent between them, insufficient amount to have, from what I could see, board members on Macquarie. So suddenly BlackRock and co are now buying our gas infrastructure line. Here we go again. More yeah. control, more, more limitation, more, more potential limitation on freedoms. They want to do without gas. They're willing to buy up gas pipelines to close them down, I reckon. Yeah. And, you know, like in the case of BlackRock, they make no bones about it. They really don't care what most people think. Uh, Honestly, they just don't care what you think because you're not their investor anyway. And Um, they seem to they seem to invest. They seem to be prepared to invest in in industries who they then sunset deliberately. 
So it's yeah. almost to take them out of the equation, whether it's the car sector, whether, you know, whatever we're looking at. We've seen big food. Big food is under the same pressures. And, and, right. and you know, it, it filters down to individuals here. Dyson's obviously, uh, Sir James, who's created the Dyson vacuum business, he, of course, is a major landowner here. But there are some very significant land lot packages being set up privately owned now. And they'll take those out of production if they see fit if they all get to davos and that's the that's what they determine is the next move i'm bloody sure of it so damien i i didn't know enough about the belt and road initiative until you brought it up today so i've, I've been yeah. doing a quick search about yeah. it and, and, and aside from the physical aspects and and this is right from a story yeah this looks very credible in addition to the physical infrastructure, China has funded hundreds of special economic zones or industrial areas designed to create jobs and encourage countries to embrace its tech offerings, such as 5G <laughs> network powered through telecommunications giant Huawei. Wow. And it, it brings me back to this whole thing. You know how they build this infrastructure? We think about building a road infrastructure like Jay was talking about, going out and laying railroad mm-hmm. so that we can have intercontinental railroad and the golden spike yes. makes it all happen they're yeah. building this infrastructure through stealing intellectual property from other people and then putting it into play yeah and then they hang then they encourage organizations like in kenya the farming community there to hang um token exchange or or uh, a form of uh, currency banking currency exchange over the top of it and hey presto you've got people who are in- interacting via the internet in kenya because they've got access to 4 or 5g and and then it's only it's only one hop and a skip and suddenly they control the currency the the they uh, that that exchange of goods for services and all of a sudden we're just like the chinese we're just like the population there or just like with mr trudeau and what he tried to do with the truckers and anybody else who gave the money to the good cause so and, and, and and freezing bank accounts Hey, and listen, 10 years ago, I traveled over most of the countries in Africa um, for a significant period of time, over a couple of year period. And you had why I had Wi-Fi, uh, better Wi-Fi, yeah. literally yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. all over all of those regions than yes. what I do in the United States of America. Now, you know, right. Of course. And it was Chinese then. Yeah, it's and, still Chinese. And, and I do have a bit of great news in the last minute of the program. Okay. China's oh, overall yeah. ambition for the BRI is staggering to date, to date. And this was in February, by the way, this year, February, mm-hmm. 147 countries accounting for two thirds of the world's population. Forty percent of the global GDP have already signed onto the project or indicated they are do- going to do so. Wow. Incredible. And I saw it with my own eyes every time I landed on a plane in a different country in the Pacific. Yeah. And I was and I thought and and whilst I can see that clean access to clean water or access to a better roading or access to Internet or whatever are very good initiatives. That's what we all want in the developed world. But in actual fact, it is fairly nefarious because there's such an ownership behind it because they collateralize the loans, knowing that you've seen, Trent, you'll see in the same information just how many countries are defaulting on the payments. There was no chance that ever they'd ever make the interest payments. No chance. 
they'll never repay the principal and they're certainly defaulting on the interest now. And so what does that mean? It means that suddenly the ownership or the access, the regulation of of resource, particularly those that are dug out to the ground, the ownership model has changed. Well, that will be the final word of the day. My thanks to Damien Buckley, J. Trud, I'm Trent Luce, all three of us reminding you that like every other day, all roads do lead to a roll route. Gaining a free and fed America, this is the theme of every single entity I work with. It's all the same. Maintaining a free and fed America is up to each of us. We cannot sit back and expect one person, one organization, one anything. Collectively, we must make the difference just like we did in the Revolutionary War. Our founding fathers made it happen. We need to do the legwork. Protect the Harvest is a partner in getting the information for that. On the web, protecttheharvest.com.